Welcome to another podcast from Faith Baptist Church of Gulfport, Mississippi, recorded Sunday morning, July 16, 2023. Song specials for this morning's service include FBC Choir singing Nail It to the Cross, followed by FBC Choir with Heaven's Jubilee, and finally Catherine Martin with Take Me Back to Calvary. Today's sermon is preached by Pastor Dan Carr, Sr., and is titled A Living Dog is Better Than a Dead Lion. He's preaching it out of the text of Ecclesiastes 9 verses 1 to 6. We hope that today's message brings you closer to the will of God. Thank you for listening, and God bless.
That is a beautiful song. If you have your Bibles this morning, the book of Ecclesiastes, we're going to have Charles, Zion, Jay, Wallace with us this morning. Miss Joanna, why don't you stand with him and get a little peek over there. That's our 21st grandchild. That's number 21. Y'all not, y'all not impressed at all, are you? If you had to buy him birthday presents, you'd get impressed. Oh, goodness. All right. Book of Ecclesiastes. We start saving years in advance, okay? Ecclesiastes chapter number 9. I told my wife, there's got to be a family meeting. Got to have a meeting. We got to start doing something different. And Ecclesiastes chapter, like little notes. I love you. Hope all is well, right? All the men are with me, and a lady here is not with me. Okay, Ecclesiastes, your grandkids. Ecclesiastes chapter number 9, if you're there, I want to stand this morning. Ecclesiastes chapter number 9, we taught on Solomon in our Sunday school. We shared with the class that God used Solomon. There write three tremendous books in the Bible, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, and Ecclesiastes. I love all of the 66 books in the Bible. I really genuinely enjoy reading the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, the book of Ecclesiastes is kind of a Solomon looking at life uh, from a human standpoint of, a, uh, of having everything, uh, done everything, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, but yet he said in chapter 2 and verse 17 that he hated life. Because nothing will ever satisfy you or me outside of Jesus Christ. Amen. You can have all the money in the world. You can go to all the places in the world. But you will find it as he writes in Ecclesiastes. That key word, it is all vanity. That means empty. It means to lack the substance to satisfy. That's what Jesus was saying to, to the lady at the well. You drank from this water, you're going to get thirsty again. But you drink from the water that I that I'll give you, you'll never thirst again. I will satisfy, is what the Lord was saying. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter. By the way, religion can't do that. Denomination can't do this. It only comes through a relationship with Christ. Ecclesiastes chapter number nine. Ecclesiastes chapter number nine and uh, verse number one. The Bible says, "For all this I considered in mine heart." even to declare all this, that the righteous and the wise in their works are in the hand of God. No man knoweth either love or hatred by all that is before them. You know, you can't always tell what's in somebody's heart. That's what he said. You know, you can't always tell, you know, if a guy's with you or not, not always. Look at verse 2. All things come alike to all. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked, 
and to the good and to the clean and to the unclean to him that, what does it say? Sacrificeth to him that what? Sacrificeth not as is the, the good so is the sinner. And he that sweareth as he that feareth an oath. There is an evil among all things that are done under the sun. There, there is one event unto all. Yea, also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil. And madness is in their heart while they live. And after that they go to the dead. For to him that is joined to all the living there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they shall die. But the dead know not anything. Have they any more a reward for the memory of them is forgotten. Also their love and their hatred and their envy is now perished. Have they any more a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun? You know, you only got one life. You only got one life to live, okay? Our Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for loving us. God, I pray now in these next few moments that you would help us on purpose. God, to listen. God, there's a lot of needs within this room. And God, I just pray and you'd help us. And God, that you would do a work. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for what you're going to do. For it's in Jesus' name that we do pray and ask it all. Amen. You may be seated. I appreciate your patience. I want to draw your attention here in Ecclesiastes chapter number 9. And look with me, if you would, at verse number 4. The Bible says, For to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. Now watch this. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. I want to preach to you from that phrase this morning. A living dog, a living dog is better than a dead lion. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? It's pretty, you know, some verses in the Bible are, are difficult to interpret and say, you know, this is what it means. But this is fairly easy. When you look at the verses surrounded it, I would say probably the average reader could probably figure out this verse, my text, a living dog is better, better than a dead lion. What did he mean by, by that? Let me just pause and say this. You know, the Bible is an incredible book. Yes. The way God says some things sometimes really makes things simple and very clear for us. And so he's illustrating a, a biblical truth when he makes a statement that a living dog is better than a dead lion. If you look back at the beginning of our text, it Okay, it's pretty easy. But let me just think about this, this dog for a minute, okay? Let's just think about this dog. We're, we're living in a, in a day of, of animal lovers. Can I get a help there? So I know I, I got to be careful. I'll be, I'll be on thin ice here, okay? My wife loves animals. We, have, we do. We have five dogs. 
I don't know how many cats. We have two or three sheep. I think two sheep, two goats, guineas, turkey, a lot of turkeys. But anyway, uh, but we got animals, and I had to invest in a fence and say, okay, babe, this, this portion of the problem is for you and your animals. <laughs> Just part of the properties for me and the Lord, all right? And, uh, but, but anyway, she, she loves them. I, you know, I love her. Amen. Amen. I said I love her. Amen. We had some goats one time, and uh, she knew they was getting under my skin, and so she said, I'm going to sell my goats. And I said, all right, that's good. <laughs> and I knew she didn't want to, so she sold the goats. And I knew it in her heart. I knew she didn't want to. So I called the person that, that bought them and said, uh, I'd like to buy those goats back. <laughs> they like, are you okay? Are you feeling good? Yeah. I said, yeah, I'd like to buy them back. And so, uh, unknown to my wife, I bought the goats back. Why did I do that? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> and uh, I bought the goats back. You should have saw her jump this high. You know, why? Because I love my wife. I love her. She loves me. I love my wife, okay? And it's something she loves, okay? And uh, so, but when you think about this dog, we're not talking about Coco. Is it Coco's his name? My wife, what's that dog's name we got? What is it? Yeah, Coco. Is that his name? We got Gideon and... I don't know all the rest of them. I, I, like, I do like Gideon. Can I get a help there? Yes. I, I told my wife, I said, Gideon, we've had him about 10 years. He was actually Caleb. But he was in the military and lives with his dog. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, I like Gideon. He earns his keep. People pull up, he barks. <laughs> you know, we've had him for 10 years. But anyway, uh, uh, when you think of a dog, you're thinking of this lap dog sitting in the lap and this beautiful uh, little dog. Now, I don't know if that's what, he, what he's talking about, okay? He may be talking about a, a dog that you and I don't get offended that we would call him up. He said, this is a mutt. Uh, uh, this dog is ate up with fleas. Uh, uh, this dog has a, a tick. And, you know, he's real skinny. He's kind of running around through the neighborhood. And you can see his ribs. And, and uh, he's knocking over garbage cans. And he's just, you know, making havoc in, in, the, in the neighborhood. And he has the manes. And he's ugly. And, you know, there's just nothing attractive about this dog. Then you think about the lion, okay? Now, uh, we know, if I could just turn over quickly, I'm right there by it. The Bible says a lion, which is strongest among beasts. That's what the Bible says. A lion, which is strongest among beasts. And so when you and I think about a, a dog, we, we're probably thinking about this dog that's been shampooed and, you know, and this, you know is manicured and, you know, he's healthy and he's eating all that our food. Can I get some help? And uh, I, I don't know, but, he, but I, I know the Bible says this, a living dog, I don't know if he's a mutt, I don't know if he's a Great Dane, I don't know if he's a, a golden retriever or a poodle, or I, I don't know, they didn't tell us, he just said a living dog and he left it there is better than a dead lion. Now why? Because there's life. The, the dog is alive and the lion is dead. It doesn't matter how strong the lion may have been. Hey, he is now dead. 
And so it would be like you going out to the cemetery and, and being envious of those that have died. And, and uh, uh, there's no life there. And the Bible says that a, 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 a living dog, he, he may be a mutt, he may have the mange, he, he may have a tick, he may have the fleas, you may see the ribs because uh, he hadn't in uh, uh, two or three, three days. But the Bible says that, that a living dog is better than a dead lion. Why? Because there's no life. There's no life in the lion. He's dead. So, what is the Bible teaching us? I think the Bible is teaching us a lot of simple applications. Number one, notice, I want you to see the verse one more time and I'll get right to the message. Look at verse 4, Ecclesiastes chapter 9. The Bible says, for to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. As long as there's life, there is hope, right? For a living dog is better than a dead lion. Why? Because the dog is alive. And there's hope for the dog. There's no hope for the lion because he's dead. And so a living dog is better than a dead lion. Notice the word better. A living dog is better than a dead lion. Let me give you some thoughts quickly. Number one, it is better to be poor and to be saved and to be rich and to be lost. Yeah. Did you get that? It's better to be poor and be saved than to be rich and to be lost. Go to the, uh, the book of uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 16. A living dog is better than a dead lion. And now go to Luke. Why? Because there's life there. There is life. There's life in the living. There's no life in the dead. And I'll just, I want you to go to Luke 16, and I want to go to 1 John chapter 5 and, and read this verse. The Bible says, He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Do you understand what I'm saying? And uh, the saved have life. The lost are dead. They don't have life. The Bible says in the book of uh, Ephesians chapter number 2 in verse 1, in you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Before you got saved, you were like that lion that was dead. You were dead in your sins. But once you got saved and received Christ as your Savior, guess what? You now have life. And so a living dog is better than a dead lion. Why? Because the dog has life. The lion doesn't have life. The lion is dead. And that's why I submit to you this morning. It's better to be poor and be saved than to be rich and be lost. Look at Luke chapter 16 and verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to feed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried and in hell he lifted up his eyes. I say a living dog is better than a dead lion. I said it's better to be saved and on your way to heaven than to be rich and on your way to hell. Yeah. 
This Lazarus was poor. He was a beggar, the Bible says. The Bible says he was laid at the gate. That seems to me applied that somebody brought him there and, and left him there. He didn't have a horse to ride. He didn't have a chariot to ride. Somebody brought him there and left him there. The Bible says he was full of sores. Uh, somebody said that uh, uh, he desired the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. You and I may ride by and look at that scene and we we'll say, oh my, oh my, look at that poor man. Look at that beggar. Oh, look at him. He's full of swords. The dogs are licking his, his swords. Oh, look at that poor man. He's hungry and he's wanting the, uh, the uh, crumb from the rich man's table. But look at the rich man. He's got his limousine and he, he's got all of his security there and he's got the big wall and he's got the fancy house and he's got the swimming tube and he's got the money in the bank and people ride by day by day and they look at that and oh, I wish I had the wealth of that rich man. I wish I had the house of that rich man. And the Bible screams out and says to me and you that a living dog is better than the dead lion. I'm telling you, Lazarus was a lot better shape than that rich man was. I said Lazarus was a lot better shape than that rich man was. Why? Because he was saved. The rich man was lost. When Lazarus died, he was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man died and in the hell he lifted up his eyes. I submit to you this morning, if you're saved, you got something to be excited about. If you know you're on your way to heaven, man, I'm telling you, you got something to shout about. My friend, hey, boy, a living dog is better than a dead lion. Well, I got three of you that are with me this morning. I said it's better to be poor and saved than the rich and be lost. Now, I got a church members. I know what they're thinking, okay? I'm way ahead of them. Well, what's wrong with saved and rich, okay? Uh, there are so few of those that are out there. But I'm saying if I got to choose between the two, I'd rather be poor and saved than to be rich and lost. Now, the, remember the other story in Luke 12 about the rich man? And Jesus said, sell what you have and give to the poor and come follow me. Hey, he was a dead lion and he didn't know it. Uh, now I'm saying, he was willing to walk away from salvation. He was willing to walk away from Christ. My friend, a living dog is better than a dead lion. Some of you are discouraged and you're down and discouraged. Why? Because you don't live in the nicest house. You don't drive the nicest car. You don't wear the nicest clothes. But ladies and gentlemen, if your name is in heaven, hey, there's a place for you. There's a mansion for you. There's everlasting for you. There's a place called heaven waiting for you. Don't weep for me. Amen. Hey, I've been saved for 45 years. A living dog is better than a dead lion. May I say number two, it is better to be a friend of God and to be hated and then to be loved by the world. Uh, go with me to John chapter number 15. John chapter number 15. I say number one, it's better to be poor and friends than rich and be lost. I don't envy Elon Musk today. I may I maybe say, I don't know. I don't Elon uh, Bill Gates. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't envy the wealthy. I don't envy uh, the, the rich. I'm not jealous of them. Hey, a living dog is better than a dead lion. When you got saved, you got life. You got eternal life. So many Christians today are, are so depressed and so discouraged because they don't have all that the world has to offer. Uh, look at Luke, or John, I'm sorry. Look in John chapter 15 quickly and look at verse 17. The Bible says, these things I command you that you love one another. If the world hates you, verse 18, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Did you see that, Christian? <laughs> Y'all still with me? Did you
Did you see what Jesus said? Jesus said, hey, the world hated me before he hated you. Look at verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hated you. Let me make my statement again. It's better to be a friend of God and to be hated by the world and, uh, versus to be loved by the world. You know, I don't care what the beer crowd, uh, the Miller Light or the, or, or the, the Bud Light, I, I don't care what they're thinking about me this morning. I'm not looking for their approval. Uh, the transgender crowd, the homosexual crowd, I'm not here to cater to them. I, I want to love them in Christ. But my friend Jesus said, hey, if the world hated me, the deadline. Look in James chapter number 4. You need to see this this morning. James chapter number 4 and look at verse number 4. Watch this. The book of James chapter 4 and verse 4. You adulterers and adulteresses know ye not that the friendship of the world is what? What does it say class? Church? It's what? Whoso therefore will be a friend of the world is what? What are you going to do with that? I said what are you going to do with that? See, the church is trying to win the approval of the world. We don't need the world's approval. We need for the world to be converted. We're here to convert the world. We're here to tell them about Christ, not for the world to convert us. But the world is trying to get the church on its page, okay? They want to silence the church. No, no, no. A living, a living dog is better than a dead lion. It's better to be a friend of God and to be uh, uh, versus, and, and then hated by the world versus to be loved by the world and then to be at enmity with God. If I got to choose between the two, I think I'm going to choose God. I said, I think I'm going to choose God. Why? Because of the Bible principle, the Bible truth. A, a living dog is better than a dead lion. May I say number three quickly this morning. It is better to live for God and struggle than a life of self and prosper. I said it's better to live for God and struggle than to live for self and prosper. Oh, we got, we got a lot of people living for themselves today. Uh, go to the book of Psalms. Would you mind turning there quickly this morning? I'm looking down at my outline. I got a lot of verses here. I say the word lot, several. But I think this will be suffice to illustrate my thought. Go to Psalm 73. I said, number one, it's better to be poor and saved than to be rich and lost. I said, number two, it's better to be a friend of God and hated by the world than to be loved by the world and to be at enmity with God. I said, number three, it's better to live for God and struggle than, a life, than living a life for self and prosper. You know, preacher, I notice I, I'm, I'm trying to live for God and I'm trying to do right. And you preach these sermons and I'm challenged and I'm convicted. And, you know, but it just seems like I just struggle and struggle and struggle. And then old Joe over here, he comes to church about twice a year and he just bought a new car. And they just bought some property. They just built a new house. And it just seems to me they're just prospering and prospering and everything's good for them. And I know they're not serving God. They're not consecrated to God. They're not committed to God. They're not faithful to God. It's better to live for God and struggle than live for self and prosper. 
I got to choose between the two. Look at Psalm 73. Watch this this morning. Psalm 73. And look at verse 1. True, true God is good to Israel, even as such as of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at, at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Do you see that? It, it bothered him. It, it upset him. He said, I, I saw the wicked uh, uh, prosper, and, and it was more than I could handle. I, I was almost taken out because here's a crowd that they're not praising God. They're not worshiping God. Uh, they're not serving God. But it looks like to me they're prospering because, hey, this world is not your home. We're just passing through. And by the way, God has been good to most of us. Very good. Amen. May I say number four quickly this morning. It is better to be in a small church without all the bells and whistles but has life than to be in a mega church that has all the bells and whistles but is dead. Did you hear that? Go to Revelation chapter 3. If you hadn't turned to one verse yet, I want you to go to Revelation chapter 3. The book of Revelation chapter number 3, okay? And don't leave now. Just stay. I'm not, I'm not going to be a lot longer here, but I want you to go to Revelation chapter 3. A, a living dog is better than a dead lion. Would you agree with that? Why? Well, the dog's life. The lion, oh, he was the king of the bees, and he, you know, he king of the jungle. And he, he was all of that, but he got one problem. He's dead. He's dead. Look at Revelation chapter 3 and verse 1. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name that thou livest, and art what? Dead. dead. Here's a church that Jesus said you're dead. I didn't say that. Don't, don't look at me like I wrote Revelation. I didn't write it. Jesus just said, here's a church. He said, you have a name that you're alive, but the truth is, you're dead. Amen. All, over, all over America, we got, we got dead churches. And, and I want to be, be cautious here. I want to be careful here. A, a church is not dead because it's a mega church. The Bible is not anti-mega churches, okay? I had a guy preach here one time, and this whole sermon basically was against a mega church. That is unbiblical. Yeah. I said that is unbiblical. Okay, a mega church is a church that runs over 2,500, okay? That's a, that's a mega, any church that runs over 2,500, okay? But I want you to go to the book of Acts chapter 2. Would you go there really fast, the book of Acts? I'm going to give you two quick verses, and I'll make some points really fast. It is better to be in a smaller church that doesn't have all the bells and whistles. And by the way, I think we have a decent-sized church, and I think we have a lot of bells and whistles. We do have a lot. We have, we have a master's club for nine months out of the year. Uh, I was praying over the ministries this morning. We got, we got I, don't, I don't know how many ministries. I can't even name them right off the top of my head. Uh, we, we have, a, you know, are you on Friday night? We have the ladies home of grace. We have soul winning. We have a bus ministry. Uh, we have a God uh, Save America uh, ministry. We have a FBI ministry. We have, uh, that's FBI is uh, Baptist Institute, okay? And I thought, man, they got the FBI here at this church. Straighten up. And I'm not talking about that kind of FBI. And uh, uh, we got all kind of ministries here. Are y'all with me? Amen. Doesn't mean you have life. Amen. You do not judge a church that it has life by how many people are sitting in the congregation. Yeah. I want to make that statement again. You do not judge a church if it has life 
necessarily by how many people are sitting. You know, a crowd doesn't really say you have life. I've been to some, a kids concert. And we had a big crowd. But there wasn't a lot of life there. Are you with me? You can go to a Super Bowl game and have 80,000 people there. Doesn't necessarily mean you have life. I'm talking about spiritual life, okay? Uh, look at Acts chapter 2 quickly this morning, verse 41. And then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about what? Mega church right there, buddy. I said they had 120 in Acts 1, and Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. They had about, we don't know the exact number, but the Bible says about 3,000 got saved. Now they're at least around 3,120. That's mega church. Mega church. Now, wait a minute. Go to, go to chapter number 4. Go to chapter number 4. And, and look at verse 4. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. So Acts 2, you got 3,000 about got saved. Acts 4, you got 5,000 men. Don't say about the women and children. You got Now you got 8,000. That's a pretty good-sized church. The church at Jerusalem, they say around 70,000. We know from two chapters, they went from 120 to over 3,000 and then to over 8,000. So I'm not, this ain't anti-mega church. This ain't manipulating your mind to make you think that I think all those mega churches are all of the devil and we, because we're a little smaller, we are spiritual. It's not the point at all. Because I have a Bible that I just showed you a church ran over 8,000. So what, what, are, what are some things that shows that a church has life? How do, you, how do you know that? Does this church have life or does it not have life? Is it by how they shout? Is it how? Uh, what, what are some indicators uh, that, that a church has life? Is it by the shouting? So I went to that church and there was a lot. Man, there was a shouting or down. I've been to some football games and they were shouting. I've been in some boxing matches which is where they were shouting. Don't mean to have life. Are y'all with me this morning? Amen. So how do you, what do you look for if you look for life? Number one, there's births. Births. Uh, Joanna, could you just, just jump up there with uh, Charles, Zion, Jay, Wallace? You know what? There was a person with life gave birth to life. Amen. Have you ever heard and read in the newspaper uh, at the funeral home at, at the Bradford O'Keefe today there were 10 people born? No. No. You've heard 10 people being born at a funeral home? No. Funeral home don't give births. Why? Because people there are dead. That's right. yeah. One thing you look for, listen to me now, that shows life is people are being born into the family of God. Amen. Now, our church for years, I mean years, every Sunday, there was not hardly a seven-day period that went by that this church didn't see somebody saved. Somebody saved. And uh, that, that's just a sign of life. Why? Jesus said, except a man be born again. A, a church hey, that is alive ought to be having some births. That's why we get excited here. That's why we love it. Somebody walks down the aisle and they get saved and boy, we get happy. Woohoo! Praise the Lord. It's a sign of life. Well, y'all way over y'all's head. It's a sign of life. Number two, there's a sign of growth. 
You see this plant right here? Everybody see this plant? I don't know how long this plant has been here. I, I, I don't know. I should know, but I, I don't know. Uh, but I know this. However long it's been here through the several years, this plant hadn't grown a bit. <laughs> I come by every week, and it looks just like it does. You come back next Sunday, you can come check it out. This, this leaf, it ain't growing. It ain't, why? Because it ain't got no life. It don't have no life. Where there is life, there is growth. If you get a tree that it dies and it's dead, it ain't going to grow. It, bless your heart. If you have a stillborn baby, it will not grow. Why? Because it was dead. And my friends, life, if you're looking for life, you look for birth and you look for growth. And by the way, that is true ought to be in your life. That ought to be true in your life. There ought to be some birth taking place. There ought to be some growth taking place. And then there's light. Doctor looks in somebody's eye, and uh, what, what is he looking for? He's looking for life. He's looking for some light in that eye. A light. Are you with me this morning? So, uh, you know, we think a church because it's a mega church. Oh, there must be light, and it may be life there. I'm not saying it is or not. I'm just telling you about your own church. It's better. I'd rather be in a smaller church that has life than to be in a church that is big and got all the bells and whistles, but it's dead. Yep. How about you? Yeah. Three of you with me. Okay, we'll move on. That, that went good. All right. Number one, it's better to be poor and saved than to be rich and lost. Number two, it's better to be a friend of God and be hated uh, by the world than to be an enemy of God and to be loved by the world. It's better to live for God and struggle uh, and then live for self and prosper. It is better to be in a smaller church that has life that doesn't have all the bells and whistles versus to be in a mega church that has death. May I close with, with this? It's better to serve God and to be busy and not have lots of time for yourself than not to serve God and have all kinds of time for yourself. Our church, if you just, you know, visit them, we're glad you're here, but our church is a little different. I, Brother Pat said it probably the best that, that, that has been said to me. And he didn't mean this critically, okay? He's in the balcony. He didn't mean this critically, but he said this to me. He said, you know, it might be, because he's been a member here now, what, five years, so we're over there, Brother Pat. He said it this way, and he, he, I think he said it as a compliment. If you're not really serious about serving God, Faith Baptist Church probably won't be your church. That's right. And, and you know, and I took that in a good way. Yeah. You know, if, if it's just a punch the clock on Sunday morning at, at 11 o'clock and I've done my Christian duty and that, that is all there is of the Christian life for me, you're probably, I'm the kind of preacher, I'm probably going to make you uncomfortable. Some of it on purpose. Because the Christian life is not on Sunday morning for an hour while I punch the clock and I punch back out. It ought to be consecrated and dedicated to serve God 24-7. You still with me? It's better to serve God and to be busy and not to, and not to have any time you say, Preacher, you, the church is so busy. You, you just, you just, you just keeping us so busy. Always trying to get involved. I don't have any time for myself. Now, the real truth, you probably need to get balance. Okay? I, I stay pretty busy, but I try to have balance, okay? But if I got to choose, it's better to serve God and to be busy 
than to have you know lots of no time for yourself than not to serve God and have lots of time for yourself. See, we're living in a day, okay? I don't know if you know this, but we are living in the last days, and we're living in a day where life is all about self. You say, where do you get that from? 2 Timothy 3, verse 2. In the last days, men shall be lovers of themselves. The, the, way, the, the way the family works today, the way everything is working today, it, it is, it's like, I'm going to live my life, I'm going to do what I want, it's about me, my kids, my family, and if I got any time over, I may tip God a five minutes. I, I like the life I live personally. I, I like the, 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 and I know the busy doesn't equal spiritual, I, I understand that, but did not Jesus say this? Did not Jesus say in Matthew 16, see how you can interpret this. Matthew 16 uh, and verse 24, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Isn't the Christian life supposed to be about getting self out of the way and letting God have his way? We don't, want to, we don't want to plug in and we don't want to get involved in church and it's like pulling teeth by the mind cubs and says, preacher, we need somebody gonna, the lady's going to have a baby she's going to be out for three months and we, we need somebody to step in the class and we rack our brain for two weeks to find a person to step in that class. How can you run four and five hundred people on Sunday and, and struggle for two weeks to find a person that will step into a class? But we got time for all the fishing and all the hunting, all of going here and all of going there. And I'm not against that at all. But somewhere shouldn't there be some time to serve God? I mean, come on, church. Shouldn't there be some time? Shouldn't it be the other way around? Serving God. And if I have a little time left over, I may go fishing. If I have a little time over, I may even work in hunting. I may go bowling. I may go play golf. I may, I'm not against it at all. But it is wrong, wrong, wrong to put God at the end and sit at the top. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. God is on your list or you wouldn't be here this morning. He just ain't number one on your list. He's not at the top in this day and age. And I don't say this mean or cruel. And you'll never figure it all out. But I often wonder, you get somebody like Brother Benny whose liver has failed, his wife has four-stage cancer. And for 30-something years, I hardly ever miss a service. Plugged into the prison every Monday night for 20-something years without missing probably less than that many services. Leading the singing here, maybe before he got sick, three, maybe three or four services in 20, 30 years and, and just faithful and uh, Monday night and going Thursday night and, and his wife soul went and plugged in and, and serving God. And then you got people who have good, good health probably do little to nothing for God. And I don't mean this ugly or unkind, but I go to God and say, God, this don't seem right. Here's people that want to serve you, serve you, all the not, who would love to be here today, who would love to be sitting on the pew. And many of us have good health. We have the finances to do it. We have the time to do it. We have everything to get involved and serve God. And you're just giving God tips. 
some of you, when you got where you were, you were going to really plug in it. No more excuse here and there. Now it's time, buddy. Let's jump in, baby. Let's do something for God before we check out God's place. But it's more about self. I said it's better to serve God and to be busy and not have a lot of time for myself versus not to serve God and I got all kind of time for myself. May the Lord help us this morning. A living dog is better than a dead lion. So what's the difference? That dog is a mutt. That dog's got fleas. That dog's got a tick. That dog's going through the garbage and, and, uh, and looking for something to eat. He's just an old dog. And here's the king of the bees. He's got the, the mane. He's got the statue. And he, he, he fears nothing but the one problem. The lion is dead. And God said in his wisdom, a living dog is better than a dead lion. Because the lion's dead. You with me this morning? Revive us again, oh God. Some of you, you know what you need? You need an old dose of revival. Of getting back to God. Putting God number one in your life. Some of us here today, what we need is life. We need to be born into the family of God. There's no growth. There's no life because there's been no birth. We need to be saved. We need to be born again. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed this morning. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Thank you for listening to today's service. We hope you join us the next time. We hold services every Sunday morning at 11 a.m., every Sunday evening at 6 p.m., and every Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We also hold Sunday school at 9.45 a.m. May the peace of God be with you until next time. God bless, amen, and amen.